Puppet of the People is brought to you by MTG Madness. You can visit them online at mtgmadness.com. This is Popper of the People. I'm Nate. With me is Chris. Hello. And Mr. Dan. Hey, Peter. And Peter will not be with us this week because he had to work late. So we're just going to trudge on without him. Uh, I guess the uh, last few weeks hasn't been much for uh, news and stuff like that, but like I was telling Dan, when it rains and pours, I guess. Yeah, there's uh, some news now. Yeah, we got lots of news, lots of stuff going on, so we're just gonna kind of go through it here. And I guess we're we're gonna start off with the first thing. Uh, Chris, the they released the uh, pre-release events for online, and they're not so good. They suck. They're awful. <laughs> um, so we're gonna start off with uh, like their the first pre-release event that you can play in for Born of the Gods uh, that they list in this article. It's a sealed deck pre-release event. It's going to require 20 tickets plus a Heroes Dex Destiny entry object, which is uh, a $5 object you can only po uh, purchase from the store. So all in all, you're going to spend uh, $25 to play in this event, which is actually one ticket less than um, your... What is in real life? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I, said, I don't know what it is in real life. It's uh, 25 Okay, so it is. it's the real life payout, and... Um. Yeah, you have to pay twenty-five full tickets for this, right? And you're gonna Magic Online is gonna provide you with two Born of the Gods booster packs and three Theros booster packs, and one seated booster pack. Um, and your prize payout though is what really gets me about this because this the prize payout for this is just strictly worse than a daily event. Uh, you know, a, a sealed deck daily event. Uh, now, talk with James Belts about this on Twitter, and I guess they have to match the real-life payout on this for whatever reason. But um, the real-life payout is uh, two boosters per person entering an event. That's the prize pool. But yeah, your prize payout for this event is uh, ten Board of the Gods booster packs, four for, uh, for a 4-0. For a 3-1, you get four, and for a 2-2, you get one booster pack. So this is just awful value. I'm sorry. It's just it's just awful. I'm not gonna play it. Um, <laughs> then we have you get uh, the Brimas King of Oresco's avatar. Oh, you get an avatar. Sweet. Don't care. I can buy that. <laughs> I can buy that for half a cent from a bot later. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So there's your awful to start. Uh, then you have your pre-release Swiss draft details. You know, normally I'm a pretty big fan of Swiss drafts, but this one. It's pretty much just a standard Swiss draft instead of, but instead of your 14 ticket entry, you have to pay 15 tickets. Once again, you do not have the option to pay uh, product plus tickets, so you're already up one ticket. Well, as a reward, quote unquote, you get uh, in your prize pool for a 3-0, you get two Theros boosters and two Born of the Gods boosters. So that's one more booster pack than you normally get from a Swiss K. However, um, screw you because that's garbage. I have to pay one extra ticket for the chance of one extra pack, and only one person is going to get that one extra pack. And that's if if you go three zero, then you get it. Otherwise, you're just so it's paying a twenty-four ticket pack, pretty much. 
yeah. compared to a normal Swiss draft. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's for eight for eight players, right? So the each 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 player is paying um, one extra ticket. So it's an eight ticket pack, right? If you assume Swiss. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's an eight ticket pack that you're that you're trying to get to earn by going three zero. Well, the bar game. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, then you have an eight four, which is fine, you know. But once again, you're you're gonna have to pay. Well, actually, for an eight four, you get the option of paying fourteen tickets. So the eight four is still like your standard value. Then you got four three two twos, which is awful, but people keep playing them, so yeah. they keep throwing them at us. Um, you can also play a Swiss draft, which is fine. Um, then you get down to this like sixteen player sealed deck details. And this requires 26 tickets. This is a release event. I don't think this is available on pre-release, but uh, so 16 players enter, and I'm not I'm confused as to whether it's Swiss or single elimination. It says playstyle Swiss, but then under duration it says single elimination. So uh, the price payout looks like single elimination. I'm gonna assume that's what it is. So and that's for four match wins, you get 12 packs. Three, you get nine, and two, you get three. Uh, so this is actually like decent value, right, compared to normal, but you're still paying uh, the 26 tickets instead of the boosters, which, you know, Theris boosters right now are three tickets apiece on Moto. Yeah. So, yeah. Just paying strictly tickets there makes it a pretty bad value uh, for not that much of an increase in payout. And once again, I'm not really sure whether it's Swiss or single elimination. If it's single, If it's Swiss, then I might play it. But I'm, yeah. guess, I'm guessing, based on the way that it, this is structured, that it's actually single elimination, not a Swiss, t- not a Swiss event. Seems like they're watering down some of the price support. Oh yeah, they definitely are. Right. Just really weird. And that's all over Twitter too. Like everybody's pretty much everybody's saying on Twitter is like, wait a minute, what? What you just you said you were gonna Theros failed, so you're gonna change it, and make it wait, make it better, and it's not really better at all. No, it really is. <laughs> it's actually pretty it's, bad. It's still awful. So. Yeah, I'm um, I'm actually not a huge fan of the. I'm, I'm starting to I'm starting to view this block a lot like I did Kamigawa, as in just a really bad block. So <laughs> it is not so far uh, doing the damage that Kamigawa did to their no, skills. It to be I don't know. It's doing quite well. There's, there's, I don't know. It's definitely not. But I mean, normally I would play in these pre-release events, but this is just awful. I'm not going to do it. Um, like. I can't bring myself to continue to support this brand whenever they're they're basically like taking away and slapping us in the face with these things that were supposed to be better and they're just not. Yeah. So I'm not playing in it. Sorry, Dan. I know that's like the most popular time for the channel and everything, but uh, I can't blame you. I'm not playing in the either. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's not happening. Just wait for the singles to come out or draft later. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Which sucks because I am tearing up Theros Block Constructed and it's going to go through a major shift. And I'm going to have to require all these singles like the day of to stay competitive yeah. with Block Constructed. Uh, just the way it works sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Big, corpora- big corporation making decisions. <laughs> So, uh, screw, the, screw the Born of the Gods. We'll just pick up singles and I'll support, uh, you know, bot chains over wizards. Yeah. Well, at least we're getting collector coins, right? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, next bit of news is we got the Magic the Gathering collector coins. Uh, they're basically looking like, uh, not really coins, but like a silver bar. Yeah. Uh, they're supposed to be... Where is it? They're by the New Zealand Mint. And they're going to be guaranteed point nine nine point nine 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 silver silver. So and they're going to have Jace the Mind Sculptor on them. So it's a uh, they're basically so if anyone's in the market for collecting silver, I guess this is the time to buy. There is going to be a limited print on these. They're 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 very limited. You know, those, so, you know those TV commercials you see on late night TV that advertise that they just found like a million silver buffalo head coins? Yeah. Yeah, that's what this reminds me of. Like, this yeah. is a limited offer. If you call now, we'll throw in an extra 30 for free. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting to see wizards jumping into the realm of coin collecting. It doesn't even look like a coin. It looks like a, it's, a, it's a silver bar the size of a dollar bill. And it's like a like just a ounce of silver. Yeah. So it is what it is. It's just it's out there. It's seems like they're starting to try to bring their bring out bring their uh, starting to they're trying to outreach into other places ex- and oh, instead of just collectible cards now. So. But yeah, so there's that the the collector coins. I'd imagine they're gonna go pretty fast. Uh, Chinese, I guess there's a rash of uh, counterfeit cards coming out from China. Yeah. Yeah, and they're really good. They are better than any counterfeits. Yeah, the counterfeits are are damn really really yeah they're they're saying they're really perfect. They're hard to tell, but I'm guessing it passed the Ben test. Yeah, that's yeah. what uh, I read some of the car. Uh, so we linked the Star City article on this. Yeah. Uh, um, and so reading some of the comments, people are saying basically what I'm getting gathering from all the comments. I mean, there's like 200 plus of them now. Uh, yeah. These these things pass the bend test, but they don't feel like magic cards, right? So it's it's okay. You can probably tell that they're fake, but you know if you're tired, if you're not paying attention. Yeah. You know, if you don't know what to look for, you may not be able to tell. So, so you're gonna be able to tell off the thickness, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they still I don't, feel I don't right. know how it. Right, because like nobody's gonna openly admit that they have these cards, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, everybody's friend says that you know, friend quote unquote, says that the cards don't feel like magic cards and that they're too glossy and that they're only um okay, yeah, sure. That doesn't actually tell me anything, but they put out a few pictures in the article about how you can actually tell the difference between what's a fake card and what's not. Like the uh, copyright signal or the copyright symbol is very yeah. like boldened on the counterfeits, yeah. um, and like the spacing on the words is wrong on the counterfeits. Yeah, I'm seeing that right here. Yeah, like sounds that. like just stuff they can fix in the next batch of. Yeah, and yeah, there's if if anything, what this is looking like is this could really hurt eBay sales for those selling in paper. Yeah, it can do a lot of things, but 
there's a there's a huge debate now as to how these things are gonna affect yeah. the secondary market. Yeah. All right. Well, we're hoping that they can. They've already caught who's done this, so they can put it to an end. So well, the problem is they're from China, so they can't really yeah. do anything. So yeah. But. This is one of the reasons I stay out of uh, paper finance. <laughs> so be yeah, aware. You put yourself in something much more reliable, like Moto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. where they could, where they, they could delete, they can delete your election at the touch of a button. <laughs> yes, that, that's the kind of safety I want from this trusted company that never does anything to screw us over, right? No, no. <laughs> they don't. They don't take away your popper events, and they don't. No. You know, make sealed event makes uh, make pre-releases awful. <laughs> and they make uh, fantastic new clients. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we're complaining sense. again. <laughs> it seems to be a trend here. Yeah. Uh, let's mm. move on. It's, okay. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, those in dealing in paper, just uh, be careful. Kind of look at what you're look at what you're trading for and look at what you're buying just to make sure. Uh, next, we got. Well, for those that had event standard decks, now they're going to make modern event standard de- event decks. So that's Ouch. interesting. Yeah. They're going to be $75. They haven't released what the decks are going to be yet, but they're going to go, the MSRP's on them, and they're going to be $74.99. I'm guessing you're probably going to see some form, cheaper form of Jund. No. No. Or something like that. I don't you know. But you can't function with John without without a functional mana base, and they're not going to give you a functional mana base in, the, no. in there. What I, what I think they're going to go for probably in uh, still stealing this from the eighteen podcast. They're probably going to go with black white tokens. Yeah, this is sort of viable deck in modern, yeah. but I don't know, Dan. You know more about modern than I do. The question is here: Will they care about the secondary market, or will they just yeah. make cards available? Because if this puts the fear into me as a MTGO finance person, because yeah. uh, the modern cycles are easy to predict and easy to act on, but this just throws a wrench in there because what will come yeah. now? What about Snapcaster Mage? Is it safe to sit on? I have a ton of Snapcaster Mages. I wanted to sit on them until uh, July when the modern PTQ season hits, but now this. Uh, so now nothing is safe. Um, I don't, and, uh, I don't know. They might could just. They shown before that they are willing to uh, kill the secondary value with modern masters, for not for the mythics but for the rares, and uh, this might actually be. Uh, they they could give you 150, 200 dollars worth of cards. Yeah, so, I mean you're you're looking at a seventy five dollar product, uh, but. I, I think they're incorporating more than just the deck into it because, like, I'm looking at the thing here that says it's going to be a tightly constructed 60-card deck that includes a 15-card sideboard, a strategy guide, a spin-down life counter, and 80 exclusive card sleeves, and five double-sided tokens in a deck box. So they're actually including card sleeves in with the deck if you're buying it in paper. Yeah. All right. I'll say, Dan, so, if you haven't listened to uh, the 18 podcast this week, I think it just got released no, I today. This week. So, uh, yeah, Scotty Mack from there makes a pretty reasonable argument for why it would be black red or black white tokens, including like the five double sided tokens are probably like Elspeth tokens, right? Soldier yeah. tokens, and then on the other side, it's maybe it's maybe like 
vampires from Soren, Lord of Innistrad, or uh, what was the other one he listed? I don't remember the other planeswalker. So they would reprint Elspeth a third time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what he's arguing is that uh, Elspeth is going to see a third reprint, and you know, if it's not Elspeth, then it's Soren, or if it's it may be both even. Yeah. Wouldn't it make sense to go for the cards that wasn't reprinted in Modern Masters, such as Mox Opal, Karn Liberated? Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. Karn is his his second mark, his second hand, his secondary market price is sitting at like forty. Last time I checked. Yeah, yeah. because he wasn't in Modern Masters. So. Do you, um, so Dave, uh, this it's only going to be one event deck, by the way, Nate. Yeah, it's just one event deck. It's not two. Do you guys remember okay. the standard events de- event decks? Do they actually put mythics in those? Yeah, they do. In the but event they're decks? not. Yeah, they do. They're, I've seen a mythic in one or one of them, or I think. Because I remember like one mythic six rares. I remember like uh, the last the last time it was uh, Thragtusk was in one of them, but he was a rare. Yeah, he was just a rare. I remember that one sold like mad. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Well, yeah, let's say they got a modern event deck coming out. Also, with Born of the Gods, we have twenty-three of the hundred and sixty-five cards spoiled. And for commons, they, well, there is a common that they have released already: Aresco's Sun Guide. It is a one colorless, one white mana, two-two creature that, when he untaps, you gain two life. Um, I find the card interesting, being that. Regardless of the fact that it's a two for a, a two two for two, it does fit in with kind of the strategy of White Weenie, where you're you're attacking every turn anyway, and every time this guy untaps, you're gaining two life. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's kind of interesting to me that that a card a card like that and how I, the because it does fit the strategy of White Weenie. I mean, granted, there is the argument, and Dan made it, that a uh, 2 for a 2-2 two, two is horrible for value. But uh, considering what White Weenie does, where you're just dropping creatures and putting them to the side every turn anyway, uh, gaining 2 life every turn can actually make White Weenie more annoying. Yeah, I actually see this more of like a sideboard card as, um, yeah. against Delver, actually. Probably I, I can't I can't let this guy hit the table as a Delver player, right? No, I can't I can't beat two life gain a turn. No, that's that's I mean, I can, thinking. But, you yeah, just but, block him, right? Well, block him with the spire gold. I say block him with the spire gold whenever he, um, on you know, in turn four when I first cast my spire gold. It's not very good, you know. <laughs> like yeah. I, I guess I can block him with a. Wouldn't you trade a Delver and, for him? No, I want the Delver's how I win, right? I can't I can't do that because. Uh, I need Delver to trade with Core Skyfisher later on. If right. he manages to sneak a Core Skyfisher down. Because my fairies you can't probably tap. don't need to trade a ninja for him. Yeah, well, maybe I do. I mean, right, it just depends on what they have, right? If they have a Razor Golem that down, then I'm obviously going to trade a ninja for the Sun Guide, but... Yeah. Uh, what are you cutting from White Weenie deck to play this game? Uh, it's, like I said, it's sideboard, so it really can do anything. Right, that's that's yeah. one of White Weenie's versatilities, is the sideboard. Yeah. Play anything. So. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's just. I find it interesting that it, the way that well, what they're what it does, just the untapping, getting to life, because in the right in the right situation, that could really help you out. <laughs> Inspired is a pretty interesting ability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tribute uh, will probably appear on common as well. The, uh, or maybe that's a rare ability. 
No, yeah. I mean, well, it, I, it depends if... if tri- I mean, tribute is a theme of the set, right? It's one of the mechanics, and as we've seen yeah. from other mechanics, they do print... I think all mechanics get printed at common rarity. Yeah. So what tribute is, is that uh, when the creature comes into play, the opponent may pay the tribute and place a number of counters on or the creature. Or something bad happens to them. Or something bad happens to them, because they didn't, <laughs> didn't observe the tribute rules. <laughs> Which, yeah, I found that, like, I love the flavor on that, they call it tribute, it's like, yeah, well, your opponent can do this, but if they don't, they're going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. uh, I look forward to doing the set review. I... Uh, I'm all, if we talk about classic pauper, I'm always like every card sack. I will. I will yeah. worse than beat. Well, standard pop really get interesting. Yes. And really up for reprint in in Born of Gods, they are released Springleaf Drum, but it is not going to be common. It is going to be uncommon. Boo. So they upgraded that, so you won't see that in standard popper. <laughs> but that that obeys the the basic uh, rarity rules because it was a common in. Uh, no, it was what set is it from? Mir- uh, Scars of Mirrodin. Mirrodin. Oh, okay. Because uh, Mirrodin was an artifact block that oh, they yeah. move all the artifacts down one rarity notch. Yeah. So it yeah. was actually an uncommon back then as well, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so that that's what they have, what I've found on Born of the Gods so far is that. And then we got February, upcoming in February. Just a glimpse looking forward here next month for our show. Um, Maddie will be guest main hosting with a special guest interview with a famous vintage player and host of So Many Insane Plays podcast, Kevin Curran. So we're going to have him on the show. And Dan is going to bring on uh, Brennan Brennan Rankin uh, talking about the standard popper gauntlet that's coming up. Yes, that will happen on February 24th, hopefully. Yep, on February the standard popper gauntlet call for decks start. Yeah. I, I, I always say upcoming in February because I don't like putting dates on stuff. I love putting dates on stuff. Because uh, <laughs> how often when we do that, how often in the past as luck would have it, it doesn't. <laughs> so if I just put a bagley in the future, it doesn't get hexed. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so we have that coming up in February, so that should be interesting. Uh, be interesting to have Maddie back on, too. I haven't had him on in a while. Uh, the show, So Many Instant Plays, uh, is a great strategy show. They go uh, into depth for uh, vintage strategies. It's really... Yeah. Inspiring. Yeah, so looking forward to having him on the show. And last bit of news here Fox has just acquired the contract to do a Magic the Gathering movie. First question is Nate, are you going to see it? Hell no. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I guess I'm with Chris on this. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons was uh, Dungeons and Dragons was a horrible movie. Okay, we, we got to stop the the whining here. <laughs> I like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I will go to the premiere of the Magic movie. I will cosplay Jace. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm half in, half out. Like I'm optimistic, but. 
I don't see in it. I don't see it being a big blockbuster hit. Acquiring the rights to do a movie doesn't mean that the movie gets made every time. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm half and half on it. I mean, it, it could be really good. It could be really bad. I, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of leery when they when I, like I'm leery when they do stuff like this because like in previous previous history proves otherwise. Like uh, them turning games into movies. I mean. Yeah. Well, we all know how well Doom turned out. That was just horrible. <laughs> uh, it's, oh, how, it's about, like I, how about Blood Rain? That one turned out really good, too. I heard. Not really. Eh, not really, yeah. Blood Rain is pretty how about, bad. How about every movie The Rock ever starred in? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> pretty much where I am. Yeah, it's just... It, it, like, I've never seen them do a video a video game or, or game movie in general that turned out decent. I mean, all of them were pretty horrible. Like, Resident Evil is even borderline good. I mean... Oh, Resident Evil's awesome. It's pretty don't good compared to the others. Say, don't you dare diss on Resident Evil. I don't know. Although, Resident Evil took, like, an entirely different, like, storyline twist yeah. than, the, than the game series did. Yeah, like, they did. They had to come up with a different storyline because, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess, from my experiences... Some video game, I, th- I think I don't think video game storyline and really manufactures that well with movie audience. No, it's a very different experience. But in turn, but in turn, I I don't think movie storylines really fare well in the video game world either. Exactly. It's said, like if they did uh, a movie with like the Weatherlight crew from um, you know Gerard and stuff from Tempest. Yeah. That would be a sweet storyline to to develop yeah. a movie off of. Yeah, I, I I was always interested if they would do that. Like when I said, well, as soon as I saw this, the first thing that came to mind for me was like the the war between Urza and Mishra. Yeah, you could do that. I always thought that would be interesting. Go back to the roots of it, where he had the the actual war. I think we're going to see others. the uh, main planeswalkers. Yeah, we probably can't avoid that. No, yeah, you, can't, you, can't avoid having Jace. you can't avoid having Jace in the movie now. Of course. But, man, it's uh, so sweet to have, like, Gerard and Full Wrath fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I run a forum for a, a Norwegian author, Margit Sandemo. Yeah. And she has uh, sold a ton of books. Uh, she's quite popular here. And uh, she has had movie rights for her books. Like, I think there are ten companies that have acquired movie and TV series rights for books, and nothing has come out of it. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm, that's why I'm skeptical that this will actually make it to the screen. Okay. Might, you think it might go straight to DVD, if anything? No, it might just, the, the project might fail somewhere on the yeah. line. So, no, it turns out I mean, I mean, in other, in other genres, of, like video games, there they've been, there's... I, I know for a fact that there's in works a, a uh, Assassin's Creed movie, and as much as I'm a fan of Assassin's Creed, I think that could go south pretty darn fast too. So I'm not optimistic on it, really. <laughs> so, but at least that has a pretty movie-like storyline, hasn't it? Yeah, but I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm always wishy-washy about about movies when they try to when they try to like emulate games in general. 
it's probably a good attitude to have. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, we got other stuff here, too. I mean, it's, uh, we got uh, our articles for this week. The Off the Mothership, uh, Sam Stoddard, he wrote an article on what, what it takes for wizards to develop a planeswalker. And it's it's pretty interesting, or pretty interesting read, and they give a lot of good examples on uh, on in the article on that. They talk about the main the main uh, one they're talking about is Ki- the new one coming out, Kyora, the Crashing Wave, yeah. and how they talked about designing her, and then they compare it to like other ones like Garrick and Ajani Vengeant and stuff like that. So it's a pretty interesting article, just exactly what goes into the making of a planeswalker. So and then we've got Thoughtcast, consistently consistent. Uh, it's an article. I, I, who posted this one? I didn't. Uh, it's uh, David Chaffer talks about uh, yeah. building consistent decks. Yeah. What consistency means yeah. about decks yes. and. Uh, there's an interesting discussion following it because Brennan uh, uh, wanted help with his standard pop deck, and then David helped him, and then Brennan uh, top four okay. the SPDC uh, player yeah. event. Cool. Yeah. The deck. Off of a deck, like David just like randomly typed up sixty cards that were blue, and he's like, "Here, try these." <laughs> Brennan's <laughs> like, "Top four, got it." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that article looks pretty good. And then we have uh, this article here, the this Dan Hitty's article, it the decision making and magic, just what types of decisions to make uh, when you're playing magic and stuff. Yes, uh, Hitty is uh, a Swedish player that has a lot of plans for stuff he wants to do. But this was the first thing he sent me, and he he studies decision theory. So it's pretty academic, but it talks about making decisions in magic from an angle that uh, you, you don't normally see. So uh, it's yeah. a good, uh, pretty high-level read. Yeah, one of my favorite lines in the whole thing, and Deluxecoff highlighted it in the comments, he said in the article, before worrying about what you ought to do, make a mental list of what you can do. Be creative and think outside the box, including all the bad options as well. This is something I do a lot when I'm playing, like, uh, okay, I could snap his cloud of fairies. What, is, what does that actually do to me? Do for me? Okay, I'll keep a list. I'll keep a note in my mind that I can do that. You know, so that, that gives you a lot of uh, options later on that you may not have otherwise seen. Yeah, it's better to try to do Very it. Good article. Yeah, it's better to try to do it before, like, because uh, like a lot of times in some of the games I've played, it's uh, I it's after the match is over and I look back like, oh crap, I should have done that. <laughs> instead of beforehand yeah. <laughs> so happens a lot to me uh, but yeah so that's there's that article pretty good and then now going into the metagame and then we're going to go into Chris presenting the next thing uh, we got uh, in Popper here we have an elves deck that got fourth in the eight mans Ooh. so elves yeah <laughs> so elves showed up and then, uh... Elves crushed me yesterday. Did it? Yeah, Elves is... Yeah, I think yeah. this is actually the eight-man that I lost in the first round to Elves, and I was like, God dang it, who plays Elves? <laughs> <laughs> and then on Popper Classic Tuesdays on PDC, 
We have the. I posted the results because they're doing a Swiss event. They're still. They're doing three. They're doing Swiss. Uh, just the results from the newest one, and then in the uh, the week before that, they had one in it, a five colors Aras deck. It it was it was T it was tier eight. So I mean, it didn't get like first place, but the deck was just kind of interesting to me. Because it, it really, it's like five colors, so like looking at the deck list here, it doesn't seem like it should work. Oh, no, I've seen this list before. This is, but it um, does? Yeah, a guy from Channel Fireball <laughs> runs this list. It's It basically, it operates like Zorius Kitty, it just, okay. it's running green base for like uh, abundant growth, and yeah. which allows you to splash like Parallax Dementia, which is sort of like just cheaper reality acid for creatures. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, unless you run the, the sideboard options, too. The nifty little... It like, looks like, like the the uh, stepchild... Uh, no, the, the uh, bastard child of uh, five-color green and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Skitty. Yeah. The deck just popped out to me. It's just really... It looks... Decks like this interest me because when I see decks like this, like I, it, it's like almost like a shotgun effect. It's like we're just gonna throw all this out here <laughs> and <Yeah>. do stuff. <laughs> well, it, it's pretty much it pretty much is five color green, right? It's just an update to it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's pretty interesting. The the deck looked pretty interesting to me. It just just multiple things. I'm interested in anything that that pops out with five different colors. It's kind of Interesting to me, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, standard popper, razor tip whip is becoming a thing <laughs> because it's so good against mono black control. That's, that's a sign of a bad meta game. <laughs> well, it screws over mono black, mono black. So, and I did test the theory. I, I did actually take the chance to test the theory. I had some time at work and uh, donating plasma. So I'm like, I'm gonna build one of these lists and just see. How effective Razor Tip Whip actually is, and uh, and and my results, I'm finding it is really, really effective, and makes mono black players cry and very very unhappy really fast. Yeah, until they slam green merchants, and then they <laughs> regain a lost life, and then you're still dead. Uh, it seems so slow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's stupid slow. It's a bad card, and it's a, think, it's a sign of desperation in the, <laughs> the standard yeah. popper metagame. I, I think the main, I think the one thing about the Razor Tip Whip is it's like every every instance I had it, like the person I was playing, they they just ended up dropping from the the that game completely. They didn't even, they didn't even wait for they didn't even decide to play it out, hoping to get the Gray Merchant. They just automatically gave up. Yeah, that's is, bothering me now too. Which is really weird, and I'm finding that a lot. People are just. Seems like lately people have really gotten in the gotten into the the realm of uh, instead of trying to muscle stuff out, a lot of the time they just want to give up, which yeah. is really really it's kind of annoying because I'm one of those players that likes to have the complicated game, and it's like it's it's really depressing when you're you're looking for that card interaction and complicated, you're having a, having a kind of a hard game, and it's like, really, you're just going to give up? You're not even going to continue? You know, I, I don't know, it just irritates me a little bit. I've, I've started blocking people for doing that. 
So. Like, you're not going to join my games if you do that crap. Yeah, so... Might have to start f- filtering my games for that, too, because, I, I mean, you don't learn anything when, you're, when, that, when stuff like that happens. Yeah, and uh, the cool thing about blocking people is... Um, you won't. You'll be able to join their games still, but they won't be able to join yours. So yeah. So, but yeah. So that's all I really found in the meta game, uh, Chris. Uh, or yeah. The, before we start, uh, we I kind of held this back because we we're going to be talking about, but uh, the pop up is fired. And yeah. We have, yes. we have results of three. So take it away, Chris. Yeah. So uh, I didn't get a chance to play in the Friday one because it was eleven thirty p.m. my time, so I couldn't play in that. Um. Then I think we had another Friday one, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't know there was two on Friday, but anyway, there's two on Friday. We know the first one was won by uh, Jack Sad, it looks like. Yeah, Jack Sad is playing uh, X-Men X Delver. Uh, so he won that. He beats Is It Control with second place. That was really interesting that Is It Control played, played second place, which it's basically um, like Is It Post, except it's not. it's running Delver of Secrets. Otherwise, it's pretty pretty much identical. Is it post? It's not running. It's not relying on the big mana. Obviously, there's no cap sizes or teachings, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's just pretty much is it post, but it's also running Delvers. I'm not really sure why. I, I, I you know, I am actually. I've played with this deck a little bit. It's, you kind of do need the Delvers as some kind of way to pressure opponents. Well, Delver uh, is twenty six sorcerers and instance, so uh, that yeah. sounds like a good reason to run Delvers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Delver just shows up a lot, but I mean, Delver, it's, the card itself is good. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of value you can get out of this guy. Yeah. I mean, people won't be playing it if it wasn't good, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, running out the top eight, we have, um, third place, we have Affinity. Fourth place is uh, Mono Blue Control. Uh, you guys have seen me run this list quite a bit. Yeah. Same, same list I run. When I run Mono Blue Control, then we have uh, fifth place another Affinity, sixth place is Esper Sage, seventh is Mono Black Control, and eighth is a little interesting take on Urzatron here by Daniel CHL, and he's he's gotten a super greedy mana base. He doesn't run any colored mana as mana base at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> just more mana Silexes. Don't yeah. need them. <laughs> yeah, he runs four mana Silexes instead, and I've seen that be Prismatic Lens as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this guy's obviously doing something right here because I've seen him before the premiere events went away, or before the premiere stopped firing. Uh, last time we had premiere events, uh, he placed I think second in one of them, third maybe maybe first maybe second third I don't know. Anyway, so he was on Tron, uh, and I like to call this this Tron the Ultra Greedy Tron because it runs yeah. colored mana and seventeen lands. <laughs> I still can cast two Rolling Thunders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's working for him. So, that was that one. Uh, the next one we have from your event was... Um, this is kind of disappointing because I, I watched the replays of this and it looks like they just split in the top. I'm like, why would you do that? That's, I don't know. Anyway, so first place was uh, Affinity. Second place was another blue-red control. The Affinity deck doesn't have... Uh, no Perilous. Yeah, that's that can't be right, can it? I don't know. Maybe yeah, it is. It could be right if it plays out that's right. Player Husk instead. Yeah, Player Husk and four flings. Four. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's running no perilous research. He's running four flings instead. Yeah, he's just counting on one fling 
he's counting on one fling being countered and play you know just playing another tug and just doing it again I'm guessing I think he's, he's husking the mirror force and then he's flinging it for five yeah that yeah. might be two that's that's kind of cute um I don't know I've played against Prolepsis before he crushes me every time I play him I really hate running into him in eight mans because he just <laughs> destroys me um <laughs> So then in second place we have another blue-red control. A yeah, pretty similar list to the other one. Is there a difference? Yeah, there is. I've, I know I saw it. I have to look at them again. Okay. But yeah. there, there's like slight differences, right? It's like a four-card difference out of the 75, I think. Uh, here we go. Yeah, we'll check that out. It looks like it still has the post sideboard. Uh, no, they're it's actually... Like no, they are the exact same list. No, yeah, there's seven land destruction spells in the sideboard. She must really fear her <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that is actually a pretty big fear for this deck, for the blue-red control. Because this blue-red control, it's going to be a, uh, what is it, what does he called it? Patrick yes, Chapin called it, Dan? So it's like a non-counterspell board control deck. Although this one does have counterspells, so, I don't know. Yeah. It has plenty of counterspells, actually. Yeah, but Tron has the ability to go way over, so... <laughs> Maybe that's necessary to have the lane destruction. Maybe he doesn't need other sideboard slots because he beats everything else so handily. That's one of the things yeah. these the control deck actually can do. It can beat a lot of things pretty easily. Well, if you can control the board, you can win any game. Yep. All right. Uh, third place, we have Esper Sage. Fourth place, Model Blue Control. Fifth place, Aurus, Hexproof. Sixth place is Model Blue Control. Seventh, pl- seventh place is uh, Deluxecoff playing the green one deck. With Flare Husk. Yeah, with Flare Husk. Uh, he loves that card. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's always on the Flare Husk. So, yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, another Hexproof is in 8th place. Budakov playing yeah. Hexproof. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, right? Wasn't he like a blue... Re- wasn't he an Is It Post player before? I thought he was. He was a mono-black control player for the longest time. Ah, okay. So, that's that premier event uh, and then we have my favorite premier event this is the one I placed third in <laughs> good job yeah so <laughs> I lost to the first place guy who was Delver Fiend screw you Nate <laughs> how do you been reading my mind <laughs> uh Suru Cuckoo Suru, I this, this guy has been playing Delver Fiend since uh, the dark ages yeah, yeah uh, I played against him so many times with Infect yeah. He was playing Delver Fiend like two years ago. This guy was an Infect player before that? No, I played Infect against him. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had like really fast matches against him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, he played, and he's got a, a, quite a different Delver Fiend list than most people. He's running yeah. main deck Dispels, Piracy Charms, Electrostatic Bolt. Uh, so yeah, he's got a very different type of a deck. And uh, we'll just go over the top eight first. Uh, then I'll talk about my match with him. Uh, then we've got Carrick, who was playing Tron. Um, and he was playing the not-so-greedy Tron. You know, All Tron is greedy, but he's playing the one that's less greedy. Yeah. Uh, then you've got me in third place playing Delver. Uh, fourth place is Esper Sage. Fifth place is Mono Blue Control. Sixth is Affinity. Seventh is Esper Sage. And eighth is Delver. Um... So yeah, I made top eight. It was pretty sweet. I went five one in the Swiss. Um, I actually got pretty lucky there because um, who was it? Killaby, I think the guy who was 
the the guy who went six zero in the Swiss, I got paired against him in round six, and he was five zero, so he was already guaranteed top eight. And he was like, "Hey, uh, if you want, I'll just concede to you. I'm already guaranteed top eight, so I don't care." I was like, "Yeah, by all means, you know, <laughs> sure." There you go. Uh, so yeah, he conceded to me, so it's guaranteed me top eight. Uh, and then in the top eight, I got paired against uh, my my uh, seventh round, I guess, was against uh, Esper Sage, the Zakukuro guy. Uh, I beat him because Delver usually beats Esper Sage, because uh, we have counter spells. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I got paired what against. Did, what did you lose to in the Swiss? Uh, in the Swiss, I lost to a Delver player, Mirror. The Delver Mirror. Yep. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that guy. Oh no, I lost to. Uh, I think I lost to Jesus RL 1979. Yeah. Who his list is on this on this thing too. He was also running the uh, the X Men X Delver plus or minus a few cards. Actually, this is a little bit different than X Men X Delver. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I lost to him in the Swiss, and then uh, in the top four, I got paired against Suru Cuckoo. Uh, you know, game one he got two flip Delvers out really early, and that's actually like. I think how they really beat you when they're playing Delver Fiend is they get a few flip Delvers out early and put you on defense and then sneak in a Kiln Fiend or a Cyclops and run you out of counter magic or protect their guys long enough to, to be able to go off with the Fiend or Cyclops. Okay. And he did it really well in game one. Game two, I, uh, I Delvered him, so <laughs> I won. And then game three was really close, right? I had pretty much stabilized. He did manage to get a Kiln Fiend on the board. But, uh, you know, I had blockers, and I had, like, two spell starter sprites in my hand. So I was like, I'm fine, you know. And I was, I think I was going to kill him the next turn, but uh, he went to, like, Assault Strobe or Artful Dodge or something. Uh, no, Shadow Rift. Shadow Rift yeah. was a uh, So I spell started that, he pyroblasted it, and then I spell started again, and he uh, electricered me. Electricried my fairies, so I lost. Uh, yeah. yeah. It happens. Yeah, I, 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 wasn't, uh, I wasn't disappointed to lose. He, he played a very, very good game, very tight game, and he waited yeah. for the opportune. I think he killed me on turn eleven, maybe. It was uh, a really long game. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing I really like about his list that I just like at, out of everyone I've seen that likes to play Delver Fiend, it's uh, everyone's like, well, I like Artful Dodge better than Shadow Rift. Then you have that other group that likes to play Shadow Rift or Artful Dodge. Um, I think, sh- like, he's playing Shadow Rift. Like, I'm on the side with Shadow Rift more than Artful Dodge. Uh, there's many times, like, because yeah, th- this is a deck that I like to play, or most people know that. Uh, Shadow Rift is uh, a card that gets you the unblockable, and at the same time, it also gets you, like, uh, being, if you can set your deck up the right way, you can actually, uh, Shatter Rift your way into your next spell. And when your opponent thinks, like, uh, you don't have it, then you're drawing into it. Like, there's many times I've played this deck where, like, the only card I had left in my hand was Shadow Rift. And I'm like, Shadow Rift, turn my creature, you know, give, give him Shadow, and I'm drawing that card. And then you're just playing the next one right away. So it, 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 the thing I like about it, the thing I like about it is like how you can uh, get your opponent thinking like oh it's just a shadow riff it's fine he might not draw what he needs and then you just play it right out play it out and just get it so 
I don't know, I'm, I'm more of a fan of that than playing the Artful Dodge, just having that card advantage, getting through your deck faster. Yeah, I, I mean, I like this guy because he's, he's taking this list into a, you know, presumably a known metagame of, like, lots of Delver and lots of Mono Black Control. And he's still running this list, right? Because it, it's the list he's most comfortable with, I see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's taking a list uh, just because he's comfortable in it, and he plays first with it. And he also placed pretty highly in another one of the premier events, too. I'd have to find that, but yeah, uh, yeah, he's. I, I do like his list a lot. It's very much more control oriented, running the piracy charms and the electrostatic bolt and dispels. Yeah, so I think and, that's really nice too. Yeah, you can, and you almost have to if you're playing Delver Fiend, like the where the meta game is right now. You you can't count on that. You can't count on the third fourth turn win. You have to be able to stretch it out in a, in a game where Delver and Is It Control and Mono Black is a thing. You have to tiptoe around those decks, and the easiest way to do that is to start building these Delver decks, these Delver Fiend decks with control functions. Yep. It's the only way this deck will survive in the metagame. Yeah. So he did, he played very well. I don't mind losing to him at all. If you know, if I was gonna lose to a Delver Fiend player, I'm very glad that I lost the way that I did, right? He didn't yeah. he didn't turn to Kiln Fiend me with, you know, Hydroblast Pyroblast backup or whatever. Yeah. Or double Pyroblast backup for his uh Shadow Rift, right? He actually did it legit, right? He he played his cards yep. very well, he played very patiently and exactly. he beat me legit. I really don't mind losing to played him. Played his stuff at the right time and yep. just it wasn't it wasn't just it. a nut draw. It was yeah. it very well set it up. That's good. Uh, yeah, I, but yeah, it's. I for one, I'm happy to see the deck place. So yep. that's all I'm gonna say. I for one, I'm happy that I got 12 packs out of it. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, congrats. Or 15 packs? I don't remember. 12 packs, 15 packs. I don't. Know. I got a lot of packs. Yeah. Really sweet. And four QPs, which I'm almost qualified for the mocks for this season already. Nice. What <laughs> kind of packs are they usually? Is it a M? It's whatever the standard awarding packs are for the. Oh, okay. Heroes right now. Yeah, Theros. Theros right now. Yeah. yeah, Theros packs. They changed uh, Pauper to be to not be different uh, quite a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. I do want to talk about the difference, like the way that I played the deck, because I was playing the um, the X Men Max Delver too for a while, but I found out that you know Bone Splitter and Cloudfin Raptor suck. That's my opinion of them, and they're just awful all the time. Bone Splitter is only good in the Delver Mirror, and even then, you have to get to a certain point in the game. Where it's relevant that you have a bone splitter and they don't. So yeah. usually Delver games are decided way before that, and if you get to that late game situation, it's actually it's more uncommon to get to that late game situation than it is to to uh, not. Right? Usually, usually a Delver, Delver mirror hammers out one of two ways: you're going to out tempo them, or you're going to both go to the long game where you're both miserable and you're trying to get a small edge or deck them. Yeah. So I just I don't like that at all, and it really takes away your edge against uh, certain other types of matchups. So when I modified the deck, I took out the Cloudfin Raptors and Bone Splitters, and I added two excludes, an island, and uh, what was it? Logic Knot. Yeah. Like Logic Knot. Yeah. Logic Knot was the other card that I added. I like so, that card. Yeah. Logic Knot's really sweet. It's um. It's like it's only not very good against Tron. That's like the one deck it's really not good against. But 
with when you're like pondering and preordaining and dazing and doing all kinds of things to get cards into your graveyard, Logic Knot is just another counterspell. Yeah, it's 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 basically it runs on the terms. It runs pretty much in the terms of what what's the X counterspell that you actually have to pay mana for? Uh, power sink. Well, yeah, power sink or something like syncopate. that. Syncopate. Yeah, syncopate or whatever. But uh, it does something like when you're playing Delver Blue, and like in my experience is playing Delver Blue, you like you don't really care much what's in your graveyard. You're not bringing it back anyway. No, no, you're not. So in turn, you can use Logic Knot and just exile cards from your graveyard without having to really worry about it, worrying about some, you know exiling something you were going to use, and just get one st- and use your graveyard to to your advantage. I mean, you just. Basically, all Logic Knot is doing is giving you another counter spell and making the graveyard not useless for blue. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. That, and I will say that I, I definitely would not have made top eight if I wasn't running Excludes. Excludes saved me on at least, yeah. at least three games in the Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can see why you're not using the Pride because you want to use Exclude. But yeah, yeah. Pace and Exclude seems like they don't like each other. Yeah, it, you know, uh, yeah. Well, the problem is, like, if I'm using Exclude, I'm on turn 5, right? Days is usually a turn 2 or a turn 3 play. Mm-hmm. So right. if I'm using Exclude, it's going to be, like, on turn 5 try to try and exclude a Moldrifter. Uh, yep. So, and most of the time, turn 2 or 3, they're actually going to probably play around Days. They're going to assume you have it, uh, from yeah. what I've seen anyway. And, you know, I usually do, and I usually hope that I can just get them with a the Days. And if I, if I can get somebody with a Days, then they've already lost, probably. You know. It's uh, funny getting what's somebody. What's up with the three snaps? Um, you have been such an advocate of four snaps. I had been, but uh, you know, snaps are not very good against mono black control, and that's what no. I was. That's <laughs> what I was planning on running into a lot was uh, mono black control. Um, you know, I think with three snaps you're fine because I'm running the, the three dazes that are going to stop those early things that I would otherwise be snapping. So, yeah. I think three. I think three snaps is fine. They're also really bad to draw late game. Yeah, they, yeah, late game they're pretty dreadful. You, know, you want them in the beginning of the game. Yep. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, oh. So yeah, that's pretty sweet. I that like the sense. list. Yeah, it's very, it's very tweaked, and uh, I'll probably be taking this again. Probably the same list, actually. I don't like Mossburn weirds, but I think they're kind of necessary. I might mess around with this list a little bit. I like it. Yeah, I, I say run it as is and see how it goes. That's what I was thinking of doing. Uh, if you want to make a change, though, you could run instead of deprive in the board. You could run another logic knot. That's one of the, that's the change I was thinking about making. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that deprive. I was, that's one thing. As soon as I looked at this list, the sidebar, I'm like, deprive does it really need to be there? <laughs> I, you you want to bring it in against once again against the mold drifter matchups. Yeah, and that's what I'm just gonna call them now. It's just the mold drifter matchups where. Uh, you're okay with pretty much anything they do except for Moldrifter. Yeah. Like Tron and uh, uh, like Azorius Kitty and all that type of stuff. You That's when mm-hmm. you want the Deprives. Yeah. And just another hard counter spell. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you decide on the State of Sabotage? Um, it's Delver Mirror, basically, is why I'm okay. bringing... Uh, and Affinity. I kept on losing to Affinity, too. So I, I wanted to, you know, counter-target Mirror Enforcer for one blue. Or get rid of a Spire Golem. Yeah. Or Spire Golem, Serrated Arrows. You know, yeah. You know, generally, artifact cards are a problem. Uh, the yeah. Sabotage is actually really good against Tron, too. 
because uh, if you can deny them a colored mana source, they can't actually do anything. <laughs> so uh, I bring it against Tron too, so I can counter their their prophetic prisms, and and they're like, well, now I can't firebolt you three times. Dang it! <laughs> Darn it! That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, seal sabotage is all around just a really good card, uh, and it's also useful. Uh, once again, the dull mirrors. I'm bringing in serrated arrows, so I can actually reset my serrated arrows with steel sabotage when I want yeah. to cast them. Sweet. Yeah. Steel sabotage is a great card. Curse of Chains is for affinity, and uh, coral nets are for uh, stompy elves. Stompy. Well, I mean elves, elves, elves too. But I, I didn't actually expect to see any elves because, like, it's elves is just such a elves is a good car, a good deck to take into an eight man because you just yeah. really win the one round, but. Uh, here you're you're playing six rounds of Swiss. You're gonna run into Model Black. You're gonna run into red based decks. Yeah. They're gonna like trigger you out. So yeah. I, just, I don't think Elves is very good in uh, a premier event. Yeah. It Coronet is good against anything green and annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's also good against White Weenie too. Yeah. To an extent, right? Uh, yeah. If they're in top deck mode, then it's not that good. Uh, if they're in top deck if mode, you get you the get right White Weenie creature, yeah, I suppose you hit the right White Weenie creature, you're good. Yeah. The only thing you got to watch out for there is that they have, of course, Skyfishers to bounce their creature. So Yeah, so they can get rid of the enchantment. <laughs> but it's otherwise decent. Cool. Uh, how do you feel about uh, 17 land and uh, 4 ponders and 4 peerings? Oh, it felt so much better. I didn't flood. I mean, I, I, I did like once or twice. You're going to flood it some, some number of time, but um, it was really nice. I, I don't think I had to mulligan really at all. I, maybe I mulled to 6 a game or two, but... Uh, what yeah. I found with the 16 land X Men X is I just I was mulliganing like every other game, you know, or yeah. like every other match at least. Yeah. Which it was abysmal. You know, you mulled a six and you're like, well, I'm already down a card, and you know, as a tempo deck, as a tempo based deck, you really need all the cards you can get. Yeah. So when you mulligan, it really hurts you a lot. Yeah. Uh, and you know, my recover obviously, but yeah, and my experience is with Delver Blue. I like for me, I think 17 is like. Depending on what spells you're running, 17 is really where you start. Like, I don't think you want more than 17 land if you're playing Delver Blue. Yeah. And I, I, I've been uh, a great proponent of the 19 land deck with two quicksands, but uh, with four ponders and four preordains, uh, they, they count for something. Yeah, yeah. They, they definitely do. And you spend some number of time uh, pondering and preordaining on turn one just to make sure that you have the second land. Even if you do have a turn one. Uh, Delver in your hand. Uh, it depends on the matchup, of course. You know, if I'm playing against Affinity, then I'm going to turn one Delver always. And I, Definitely. <laughs> but uh, against a deck where I can afford, or I can spend a little bit of time, like you know Tron or something like that, then I'm definitely going to ponder for that first land before I do anything else. For that second land before I do anything else, because not having counter mana up can be the difference between you know you win or you lose. Yeah. So. You know, and then I also have, like, you know, the Gush to make up for some of the land flood there. I just bounce a few of my, you know, bounce one of my, or two of my seven lands for a Gush. That's fine by me. <laughs> uh, you know, it, so, yeah, it, it worked out really well. That didn't have any problems with the lands, really. I, you know, like I said, there's one or two games where I flooded out or, you know, got mana screwed or something. But that's going to happen some, some number of time if you're running, you know, only 17 lands in your deck. Yeah. Could you catch people in dazes quite a bit? Um, you know, it, it's almost like the threat of dazes is worse than dazes itself. Yeah, you know? I suppose. 
It's the threat. It's like, does he have it? Does he not? Um, definitely got stuck with it in my hand a lot more than I wanted to. But oh, you know, I was kind of curious about that. There's times when it really matters. You know, like if against the opposing cloud of fairies. You know, if you want to spell stutter their cloud of fairies and they're trying to uh, daze your spell stutter, then you can daze their daze. Yeah. You know, it, it helps you win counter wars or in the early games, or it helps you, you know, yeah. make sure the Kumbai witches doesn't land because you can't beat a Kumbai witches. Yeah, because like in my, in my list, I like actually I like running a I like running miscalculation too a little bit, just because of the, the it's it's not a bad early game counter spell, but it's a late game draw for me if I need it. Yeah, uh, so. yeah, it's fine. This calculation's fine. I just don't like it because it's like halfway between a mana leak and a, uh, an actual counter spell. You know? Yeah. What do you think of Killabiz fifth place deck? It looks like a cross between Mono Blue Control and Delver. <laughs> um, well, it's definitely more Mono Blue Control. So I've seen this list run before. This is actually like a pretty much a carbon copy of what uh, Chris Davis from Channel Fireball would run. Okay. Yeah. So he's pretty much just copying Chris Davis here, from what I can tell. The uh, the serrated arrows and snake forms are dead giveaways to Chris Davis and Serum Visions instead of a uh, ponder. Yeah. What? Why would anyone do that? Uh, you know, it's because uh, I don't know. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I I can try and defend this all I want, but uh, Serum Visions is awful. Yeah, they they ban ponder beasts yeah. anymore then. Yeah. Uh, and if you watch some of the old Chris Davis videos, he explains why he thinks Serum Visions is better, but I don't agree at all. I don't like... I'm going to agree with you, Chris. I don't like Serum Visions. I think everyone makes a big deal out of Serum Visions because in modern, the only way you can get anything close to a preordain yeah, is Serum Visions. And I think that's the hype it gets from modern... But I don't think this card trans. I don't think this card translates well into popper. No, like it's okay, right? But it's just, you know, his logic there is that, uh, okay, if I see a piracy charm or something, and I'm against affinity, I don't ever want to see that piracy charm again this game. So yeah. then it's kind of better than ponder, but okay. you know that's such a marginal effect. That's kind of like the evolving wild shuffling thing, like thinning out your library of lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the way that I view it. For, for the really long explanation about card drawing spells in Pauper, check out David Schaffer's article when he talked about all the one mana cantrips in blue. Yeah, it was uh, fun. Yeah. It was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, Three Gush is sweet. Uh, I like Three Gush. I like Snake Form. It was like the card that helped me really beat Affinity, so. Yeah. Uh, nice list. Yeah. So what else? All right, let's hope that the what? premiers uh, keep firing. One of them didn't fire. There were four, right? And these three fired. Yeah. The one that didn't fire, though, was the 11.30 p.m. one. On Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday. So I, I wouldn't put too much merit in that. That's... Uh, yeah. I think it did that's have, like... That's like uh, 5.30 in the morning, then, for Europe, or something like that. So uh, I don't know what time It's it bad is. for everyone. It's yeah. Like the, the Asian... <laughs> Premier. Yeah. 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 At eleven thirty at night to five o'clock in the morning, I think that's pretty bad time for a magic tournament anyway. 
Yeah. For our next topic, then, I really want to yes, keep firing, because if the premieres are back for real, and we, we now have an environment with no daily events, uh, with eight mans, and with premier events, uh, then pauper might... The pauper prices, we're talking finance now. Uh, it is actually... It might be the case. Pauper has taken so much crap. Uh, the daily events went away, and then there were the flashback drafts. So, some pauper cards have dropped 90% in price. But now, or actually about three or four days ago, last weekend, might have been the best time ever to invest in pauper cards. Uh, there's still high risk involved in investing in pauper cards. Higher risk than any other format, I think, on Magic Online. But we're now looking at a situation where pauper cards are recovering, and there's a lot of potential to do so. And I would be looking at, if you want to invest in pauper cards, I would be looking at cards that has gone down 90% and has a lot of upside. Uh, and I wouldn't look at cards like Cloud of Fairies could climb back to 6 from, it was 2 this Saturday. Now it's already uh, 3-something. Yeah. So they're steadily going back up. Uh, I don't think there's anything steady about it, but it is going up. Yeah. But if yeah. you look at cards like Snuff Out at 21 cent, uh, Coral Net, uh, cards that can recover 500, 600, maybe even 1,000%. An Earth was, uh, you could get an Earth for 19 cents, and they have been like, were they, I think they were like $3 at a point? Yeah, they were up to 3.8 at the high. Yeah, so you can find these. I, I would look primarily at the cards in the 15 to 50 cent range okay. because they have the greatest upside. If you if you buy days now or Cloud of Fairies, the, the expensive cards, you can get the play sets now, but don't expect a 200% return. Yeah. But you, you could have a 1,000% in, in less than a year, and where else can you get investments like that? <laughs> so yep. Pauper has a lot of potential right now. Yeah. Well, this is already uh, up to ten seventy-one. Say the the one the one card I would actually particularly target is based on the the model blue controls showings in these daily events is accumulated knowledge. Accumulated knowledge right now, the lowest it's ever been was eighty-three cents, uh, and that was right at, right during the flashback drafts. Yeah. Um, and right now it's, it's still, still sitting low. At, it's still sitting at like a dollar. I, I think you get those like right now because these decks are placing and. You know, outside of Killaby's deck here, all the Mono Blue Control decks are running are basically running the same Mono Blue Control deck that I am, the accumulated knowledge version. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, because it's really good. You know, I, I that's actually still my go to eight man deck right now, even over Delver, because the eight mans are just littered with uh, things like elves and mono black control with witches and unearths. So I actually will play mono blue control over Delver and the eight mans right now. Hey, just get a stronger control deck to Really wrangle in that mono black matchup, huh? Yeah, yeah. That and, uh, they... I like to think about specs for for uh, a little longer perspective than most people, and I agree that accumulated knowledge could easily be three dollars again. Uh, and there is a lot of other cards that have like the two hundred percent upside in the one dollar range: uh, Diabolic Edict, Spinning Darkness, Nettle Sentinel. Uh, prohibit looks like a very good buy at this point. And the sleeper Innocent Blood that has been up uh, at quite high. 
has now dropped. Yeah. So pauper is full of investment opportunities now. And the the lower, uh, if you go for the 15 to 50 cent range, you have a much easier downside to handle. Of course, the downside on pauper cards is still, when, when, it, when it looked the darkest, when pauper looked like it would die, you were looking, and you still have Winter's Masters around uh, on the horizon, but there is no inherent value in the pauper cards uh, if pauper is dead. So the, the downside is huge. So there's a lot of risk compared to investing in modern cards. That brings me to my other uh, finance thing. Uh, there has been a lot of spikes in modern cards recently. And I'm generally a proponent of keeping your modern cards until modern PTQ seasons because modern cards will spike like crazy oh, yeah. in June and July because this is the first modern PTQ season for uh, 18 months. But right now there are maybe 10 or even more modern cards that you should sell because uh, they are they, <laughs> they are spiking like crazy. Yeah. So anything that has that you have 200% in 200% is a lot in modern so sell because the upside is gone and leave 10% for the next guy yeah I think I think online I think online is starting to see a little bit of what we have in paper where uh, modern the format has taken a bit longer to fire but now that it is firing a little bit more as we go into modern season and stuff uh, legacy and your older vintage formats are kind of becoming less common, I want to say. Not necessarily less popular, but less common. You're finding a lot, you're, you'll find that there's a lot more vintage and legacy players looking for, looking, looking for, for match, looking for tournaments, and it's a lot easier for the modern players to find tournaments now. It would so. be interesting this summer with the modern event tech and then vintage masters and modern yeah. So, yeah, but all seems seems pretty good. Yeah, it, um, there's a lot more hope for pauper prices <laughs> than there were yeah. a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the events are firing at decent numbers. Right, we're getting thirty to forty in each event. Thirty, I guess, thirty-three to forty in each event. Well, that's good. I think one of them fired with a uh, forty-two-ish people. So well, that's good. It seems like there's a following. Uh, I just think that uh, we still have a problem, though, in that it's still a six-hour commitment minimum. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't, uh, you know, well, hate to be like a down player here, but that is still a problem. So maybe if uh, they keep firing wizards, we'll see that there's still something there, and they might. Uh, we can uh, hopefully, maybe, in somewhere in the distant future, see dailies come back. But at this point, I don't think wizards are going to go back. So, yeah, but it is what it is. <laughs> so, Chris, has anyone anyone been raging on you? Sort of, you know. If this this wasn't really like a bad rage of the week, right? So, rage of the week. Here we go. I'm playing Naya Theros because uh, that's what I do in block. Uh, Theros block constructed playing Naya monsters basically, and. Um, I'm playing against some sort of, like, brew, I guess is all I can really call it. He, uh, and I drew... Uh, he was playing a red deck, right? So I brought in Volcanic... Or Peak Eruptions, right? Which is a destroyed target mountain that 
player or just deals three damage to that player's that mount's controller. No. So I drew two of them. I used it, and uh, a guy replied, "Glad you could draw two." It, it mana screwed him. Was the thing. Uh, glad you could draw two sideboard cards in the first fifteen cards of your deck. Well, the thing was, like at that point in the game, I had only cast like three spells. Right? It was like uh, the well, I guess four counting the peak eruption. I cast like Sylvan Caryatid, uh, two peak eruptions, and a Storm Breath Dragon. And, like there was a lightning strike at some point too that I don't remember where it went. But you know, I had seven lands out, and I had an Elspeth and a Chain of the Rocks in my hand, and I had no mana to cast the uh, Elspeth, right? No planes, so I couldn't cast the Elspeth. My Sylvan Carrier to cast Chain to the Rocks, but you know, it wasn't that relevant. Okay, huh? So, you know, I replied, in case you couldn't tell, there was a trade-off there. I drew zero threats. Yeah. So he was complaining about that I drew two sideboard cards, but those two sideboard I had to side out threats for those sideboard cards, so it was important. That was, like I said, pseudo-Rage of the Week. Yeah. yeah, he was the friendliest rager ever on this show. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. middle. It's, it's been, been kind of quiet. It's probably been the the nicest one we've had. The rest are pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, like I could look up. I wonder if like anybody has anything on salty losers or anything like that. I didn't look that up before I did the show today. Oh, uh, well, nope, nope, not really. There's nothing. <laughs> Nothing new. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people are I, just like getting wiser to pagers. Yeah. Probably. Uh, basically, uh, that's about all we got. All well, we have is shoutouts left. Yeah, do you guys have any shoutouts? Uh, I got nothing. What are you talking about, shoutouts? Shoutouts to people. Shoutouts to people. Okay, thank you guys for uh, commenting to me on Moto. Whenever you say thank whenever you thank me on Moto, that like makes my day. I don't remember yeah. who exactly did it. Team something toad? Team chub toad, maybe? But, yeah. uh, thank you for shouting out to me. You really made my day. I, had, I was having a pretty crappy day before that, but thanks. Yeah, he, he actually did the same for me, so shout out to you. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, I have one shout out I want to do. Uh, other, like, we talk about Moto or, you know, this online play, but there's a podcast on MTG Cast called Fatal Flaws. Um, it's uh, one of our listeners, Jay Jay Boosinger. Him and his wife actually do this podcast, and they play more in paper than they do online. I'm not even sure if they do online. I'm not sure, but uh, they do lots of paper magic in their area. And for those that might not know who Jay is, he is in the military, so he is in South Korea. And uh, they have a magic community in South Korea that he plays with, and uh, they go into a lot of paper magic content because that's what they do at the with they, who they play magic with. And uh, they put they put out, they put out some pretty decent content. Uh, I put a link up to their podcast, and uh, it's 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 pretty good. They it's it's a pretty good show. So if any of the listeners out there want to kind of kind of hear it, uh, what. It, Anything about paper? Uh, they're they're pretty good. They're a pretty good source for it. So, but uh, yeah. I have two more shoutouts. Actually, go for it. Uh, first, I want to shout out uh, Bava and Brennan for helping me run the YouTube channel Magic Gathering Strat. They are doing a great job, doing great videos as well. And then I want to shout out 
thousand uh, people, but I'll only do one more. Uh, so, okay. uh, Fernando Antunes, uh, Fedjukan, uh, he is writing the Better Bottom Dollar column on MTG's Rat. And he's starting a new podcast together with Rogue Deck Builder and uh, mm-hmm. MTG Lion. And they are starting this Sunday, and I am their first guest. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, I have to like learn about standard before that. So. <laughs> oh, it's pretty easy. So, so blue or black, you, you win. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I played uh, some blue devotion now to test it. You played blue cool. devotion. What? Yes. You're like the king Monster of cheap. waves. Woohoo! You're like the king of cheap. You have blue. You have standard cards. What the hell? Actually, I'm the king of finance, so I buy stuff with uh, that has great upsides. So I bought uh, the playset of uh, Mono Blue Devotion for of the Terrors cards uh, in the December bottom price thing. Oh, yeah. I'd so I, I have cards that are good investments, but I don't have cards like Missing Mortars that are crappy investments. <laughs> yeah, you keep saying that, but that card is like never going below two tickets. Yeah. It's, it is going to be five cents in uh, October. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> okay, fine. You win. That's going to be five cents in October. Whatever. Oh, thank you for the Storm Breath Dragon tip, by the way. Yeah, no problem, man. I told you, Storm Breath is, like, insane. Also, Elspeth, still insane. Buy them yeah. if you haven't. Yeah. Yes, I say the potential is still there for Elspeth, but Storm Breath has taken off. Yeah, Storm Breath 18. I, I think that's not even the bottom yet, or not even the top yet. Yeah. I think it's a Thundermo Hellkite uh, potential. Yeah, I think it goes up to mid twenties. Probably is where I where I predict yeah. it would go. I'm selling at uh, twenty three now. I think yeah. when it hits twenty three. Yeah, I think that the, one of the one of the planeswalkers I see like getting better after standard rotates is Xenagas. I think Xenagas are gonna yes. will, will spike a little bit once standard rotates. So, so speaking I of think which, he could spike um, yeah, sooner than that. Well, yeah. yeah, you have this uh, this in standard this. Blue, this green red deck is sort yeah. of coming to its own, right? It's actually picking up in popularity online quite a bit. Yeah. So I would expect Xenagos popularity or Xenagos prices to go up online pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Now you Xenagos get Xenagos the God in Born of the Gods as well. Yeah. Well, I say Xenagos the Reveler now. He is uh, he's a three of in this this gruel deck. This gruel rampy like I'm going to throw everything at your face deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so he's a three of in that deck. I mythic rare. I can see him at least getting up to ten. So yeah, it's a small upside, but it is an upside. So you can probably pick up. Zen- I would definitely pick up Zenagos to play with now. I don't think he goes. Oh any yeah, lower, any lower. He's than fun to play with too. Like I like I like that planeswalker. He's fun. Yeah. So I talked about block a lot, and one of the fun things to do with uh, Zenagos and block is if you get Zenagos out and you get an Elspeth out, the Elspeth spits out three tokens, and then you can plus Zenagos for the mana for those three tokens. <laughs> So, oh. <laughs> yeah, and this gets absurd because you're also supposed to make him three more tokens every game, every turn, and yeah, pretty and soon just... you can, pretty soon you can cast a storm breath, monstrous it, and then monstrous your Pelucanos, kill all their blockers as well in the same turn. <laughs> that's just mean. Yeah. That's magic. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's exactly what it is. Who can be the biggest jerk? <laughs> yeah, so you make you make absurd amounts of mana with Xenagos and uh, and Elspeth out. <laughs> But anything else? Anyone have anything else they want to share? No, I think we're good. Where can they reach you, Chris? I'm on Twitter at SeaweaveRate518. 
And on Magic at C Weaver is my name. Yeah. I'm Joe. Where can they get, get a hold of you, Dan? I'm on YouTube at Magic Gathering Strat, and they can reach me on mtgostrat.com. And I also want to plug the Pauper to the People forums. They look like a wasteland right now. I'm the only one there. Please come to the forums. Start chatting it up. People.proboards.com. lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sisela on the forums. Yeah. Um, you can catch me online at Yukon, and uh, it's on the forums. I'm at Yukon too. Uh, I know Maddie. Uh, we hardly ever mention Maddie, but uh, Maddie does a killer job on the forums. So yeah, go check those forums out because Maddie puts a lot of hard work into them, and uh, yeah, it's he is and he's working on updating some stuff here soon. So hopefully I have some updates on that as they come up. But yeah, so we're, the forums are there for everyone to use, so come check them out. Otherwise, you can reach us at people at gmail.com. You can get a hold of anybody. So, But uh, with that being said, until next week, I'm Nate. And I'm Chris. And I'm Dan. And this is Popper to the People. Popper to the People. There you go, that's awesome.